Melty face dance party. My face is melty, yeah. A new face? Are you crazy? It's my whole signature. I do not want a new face. I want my fix- pain. I, I need my pain. <laughs> I feel my pain, yeah. It's like. If you gave me a new face, you could put me in a room with Steve Rogers, Hank Pym, and Clint Barton, and you wouldn't know who is who! You wouldn't even be able to tell the difference! Fine! Ladies and gentlemen, meet your Thunderbolts! The Thunderbolts? Are they the exciting new heroes the world needs? Thunderbolts, strike! Today makes at least half a dozen times these Thunderbolts have done the job we used to depend on the Avengers for. It allowed us to move among you, disguising who we really are. The Masters of Evil! In what is now becoming an old story, the Thunderbolts once again save the city. Enough of this hero talk. You will do as you're told. But... He's right. You may be wearing a Songbird costume, but underneath you're just screaming me. I can expose all of you right now. So you see, you really have no choice. You know what? We're done playing these parts. It's time to live these parts. No one betrays Zemo. Figures, just when we go in on this hero thing, our blood runs out. Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, I make any team better. We're Norman Osborn's A-team, and he's the big man in charge now. This isn't the team I used to lead. You, honey, are under arrest. You have to fight for what's right. Every single day, bulletproof skin or not. The Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us, but apparently we've got a ways to go. Hey, folks! Welcome to Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a fanhole's Thunderbolts podcast. I'm Mike. I'm going to be your host tonight, and joining me tonight are Hello, Vic Gates, Vasus Los. This is Derek. Hey, what's going on, man? And I am the Irredeemable Shag, but for this episode, I would like to be known as the Redeemable Shag, since I'm hoping when we all get back to Earth, we might give up our lives of crime. Yeah. So you can always hope. There's always hope. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Shag. You are always a pleasure to have on. Well, I'm really excited to be here. I absolutely love the Thunderbolts. I enjoy your show, and I just, I was so excited when Derek actually deemed to allow me to be on the show after confronting him with a tremendous (laughs) amount of blackmail, so... (laughs) Well, yeah. So, like, we 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 had you on this show for a specific reason. So, and I I don't know exactly. You're gonna have to go into it, but like, yeah. Well, why why are you on this specific episode of Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning? Well, when you guys launched the show, like, whatever, I don't know, like six years ago, because you only put on an episode like once every six months or something. Anyway, <laughs> I messaged Derek. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love the Thunderbolts. My first issue was issue 14. And he just like, and he has this little book, I guess he keeps. He just scrawls yep. terrifying things down. Yep. And he wrote down that issue 14 is my first issue. So he gets in touch with me, says, hey, come on, be on. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm like, it's my first issue. So, in because I'm a good guest, getting ready, I have reread all of the Thunderbolts issues up to this point in preparation for this episode and rereading them again. And I read issue 14 and went, what the hell is this? I don't even remember. This is not the issue that I remember being my first issue. So I went ahead and read 15 as well. Oops, it turns out that 15 was actually my first issue that made me a lifelong Thunderbolts fan. And apparently I then went back and bought 14 so technically, yes, 14 is the earliest issue I own, 
but 15 is actually the one that made me a lifelong fan. So in the defense of the fan holes, this was my mistake, not yours. This is this, this is where I want Mike to. Is over. It's over. <laughs> this, is, this is where this is where I want Mike to insert the Anakin Skywalker clip. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do too, because he sent me the gif a while ago. <laughs> Liar! I am terribly sorry. Now I am still prepared to talk about issue 14, and I'm looking forward to it. It's actually a very good issue. But uh, 15 is where my real love uh, for the Thunderbolts came from. Okay. I think I think you knew what you were doing, and you just made it this way so you could be on two episodes. Did I mention 16 is my first issue? <laughs> Wait, I got three episodes. Is that is so, that is that is that is that the ploy? Is that, that the is that what you need to do to become like a permanent co-host on right. podcast? Just run around being like, dude, I I want so much to be on your show. The first issue I ever read of Outsiders was issue 19. Please, Tim Price, please let me on the show. And then you just keep like upping it to where it's like. Looker's first appearance was your. Oh first, my gosh! Like, Looker's first know. appearance is nobody's first issue. The Outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bone hey. to pick though here with you, Derek. So yes, like. Yes. In listening to the show, you know, I hear you say things like you 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 quit around like issue seventeen or something like that. You pod yeah, you, yeah. pod faded or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I, I I comic faded like in the teens. Yes, you totally quit in the wrong era. I I'm coming at this from a completely different angle. My first issue is number fifteen, where you know Mar the Marvel's most wanted era basically is where it is. Right. I didn't even read issues one through thirteen for years. Years. I, I literally started the book with them on the run in Colorado, and I, I don't know what brought me to the book the first. I don't know why I picked it up, but I know the minute I read it, I loved it because, like, here's these people that are, you know, jerks, they're assholes, and they're trying to be better people. And they're just a key. They got the luck of Peter Parker. They just keep screwing up and they keep having problems. And it just brought me back month after month. I mean, I followed all the way through until, was it, Warren Ellis took over, and then I bailed. Okay. And then I came back when with the new Thunderbolts when the team was back together. But yeah, like issues one through thirteen, the love that you had for it, I didn't even read till more you know more recently. Now they're still great, but this is the era where it's all at, man. So so you're you're bailing on all the good stuff like Zemo and Green Goblin going apeshit crazy. I see, I see how it is. Wait, oh, you mean the Warren Ellis stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wait, hold on. Maybe no. Did, wait, did you did you read it or did you skip it? Oh, wait, no, wait, hold on. I take that back. I did read that. No, I, I quit with the, the wrestling crap, whatever that was. Oh, oh, fight bolts. Okay, well, you're fine. Now now we are in sync. You and I are as one because okay. fight bolts is awful, and we constantly joke that I'll be long dead by the time we get to the coverage of that. So. <laughs> Just skip no that stuff deal. and, and jump right to the new Thunderbolts. And, and you know, that doesn't extend. I'm going to, like, exhume your corpse and have you, you know, on like, <laughs> <laughs> we can get Derek style to talk about fight bolts. Yay. Going to re re rebuild his spark and make him talk about it. So, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. I did stick through the Warren Ellis stuff. You're absolutely okay. right. Okay. okay. Yeah. It okay. was the, it was that wrestling garbage. Either way, uh, oh, yeah. this, my real heart belongs to Marvel's most wanted. It really does though. And that's, you, uh, you, you said you like, you didn't quite remember like what, what drew you to, to start reading. Like, was it, was it in the comic shop that you saw it? Was it, was it some random, like thing that you saw on like a newsstand or like, I, how did that well, had to remember the, any of that? Well, it had to be the comic shop. Cause I was, I was a definitely okay. a comic shop guy at this point. I had worked in a comic shop for four years and then I was deeply invested in Busick's, you know, Avengers and Iron Man book and was okay. really enjoying okay. that. And this, and, the, and I, in fact, I went back to Mike's amazing world and looked at the newsstand to try and figure out, you know, I don't know, did Thunderbolts appear in Avengers or something? And that's okay. what I, I okay. can't find it. I, I can't find anything that lets you other than maybe I just heard that it was a good jumping on point. 
you know, or maybe it's like, you know, I, I, I heard that the Zemo stuff was over and they're like, okay, now they're, they're going to go forward and try and be real heroes. I, I don't know. It's weird. You, you knew like sort of the, the, like by this point it had all been sort of spelled out or spoiled, like the, the whole, you know, they were heroes posing as villains. Like you sort of, you, you did you figure that out as you read it or did you kind of oh. know that going into it? Again, being that I was a big Marvel guy at the time, I, I foolishly read most of the uh, heroes. Re, what reborn? No way. Oh, heroes. okay. So heroes I started with heroes. Turn. Well, I, well, I, I, I was an Avengers fan for a long time. I started okay. with the Brown Jacket Avengers. Okay? okay. That I started bad, weird periods. Apparently. Anyway, I started the Brown Jacket Avengers. Stayed with the Crossing. I was. I'm that guy that liked the Crossing. You know all no, that no, no. stuff. Ju- Justin, our, our pal Justin, loves yep. you for the whole bomber jackets thing because he, he loves bomber jackets too. And and our good pal Luke Jackanetti loves you for all the crossing Teen Tony stuff. Yep. So that's true. So, that's true. Yeah. So so you're fine. So, you're good. So I was totally into that. And then I just I followed into Heroes. I, I get the names mixed up. Heroes Reborn. Is that what? It, no. Yeah, Reborn because Return was the yeah. other one. Yeah. So I followed Heroes, into Heroes, Heroes Reborn. Reborn. Yep. So I was already buying a bunch of Marvel comics at the time. And so I was in the shop every, I guess it was Wednesday, it was comic day back then. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, whatever day Thunderbolts number one came out, by that afternoon, the secret was already out. I mean, people were already oh, okay. talking about okay. it. So I already, okay. I knew the, the minute Thunderbolts number one came out that it was the bad guys. So I'm like, oh, wow. I, mean, that's, I was like, that I mean, sounds I, cool, but I didn't buy it. I, I guess that makes sense. Cause I mean, I, I kind of knew it and went back and started getting it from issue one, you know, mm-hmm. like that's cause, cause you know, the whole thing of how it was spoiled. It's not like, it's not like I was like surprised at the end of the first page, right? Like, cause, cause wizard was like, dude, you got to read this book. And I was like, okay, wizard. You yeah. know? <laughs> That's, that was basically like how that happened. So there's a, uh, there's a great toy galaxy on wizard magazine, by the way, you got to watch it on YouTube. It's well worth your time. But yeah, so I, I, I picked up eventually, you know, I, I started on issue 15 and then i picked up that trade paperback they do where it collects you know the first four issues and all the other little specials that were coming mm-hmm. out at the time mm-hmm. and that's how i read those early ones so for for a long time i didn't read issue 15 i'm sorry five through 13 for a very okay. long time okay so that was a whole lot of explaining to say whoops this is not the issue i read first Liar! <laughs> well no no because we we wanted to know how you how you got into thunderbolts and everything i was curious right because i didn't know the, the history of that or whatever and like do you is there is there a thunderbolt that's like your thunderbolt like that like like it's, you know how you you know how you always oh yeah make people list like your top three jli people like do yeah. you have do you have a, a top two or a top three thunderbolts like who are your absolutely thunderbolts and stuff it's uh it's mach one or whatever number he is that week right, uh, right. it's songbird and Atlas, and okay. it's it's cool. a toss up any given week whether it's Mach One or Songbird, which one's my favorite? Okay, okay, cool. No, no, that's awesome. Yeah. It, we are simpatico because yeah, Songbird and Mach One are probably my two favorites too, aside from like Zemo. Yeah, and and I think for me, part of it is like you know I remember Beetle from the Spider. I don't remember if it was just the the Spider Man or Spider Man is Amazing Friends, whichever one Beetle was in. Mm. He was in one of those cartoon. And like, that's where I remember Beetle from. So the fact that he was like the protagonist of a comic, I thought I was like, this is so cool. You know, and yeah. I remember him from the Marvel role-playing game and stuff. Now, Screaming Mimi, I knew nothing about, but let's face it, Songbird, she's redheaded, she's hot, she's cool mm-hmm. character. She's the whole package right there. And then Atlas was yeah. just really interesting to get into his head to see, you know, here's just a regular guy who can't keep his crap together and keeps making bad decisions and following the wrong people, but his heart's in the right place. You know, it's like yeah. I, yeah. I dug those characters quite a bit. Yeah, now, uh, yeah Atlas does seem to be one of the, turn, turns out to be 
so you know somebody who maybe as a villain was very one note but they they made him extremely complex and layered in this series so i could understand why people would you know that it's a very compelling story right yeah yeah i i also latched on to like abe jenkins just because i was like oh he's the spider-man villain in this group so mm-hmm. like, yeah like, uh-huh now, and they're, but they're all interesting. Like Moonstone is also super fascinating to watch because I mean, what a bitch! I mean, yeah. she is horrible through the whole series, and, and it's really interesting to see how she manipulates everyone constantly. Yeah, and I, I call Moonstone like the star scream of the group. Basically. Yeah, I've, I've heard you say that. Yeah, that's pretty appropriate. A lot smarter though. <laughs> you are either lying or you're stupid. So, all right, all right. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about Jolt though for a second because okay, this plays in. This plays into this issue actually specifically. I realized in my reread, and I never, I don't know why I never picked up on this before, but Jolt is pretty much a Mary Sue. Like she does everything right. She doesn't make any mistakes. She makes all the right decisions. She gets everyone to do what she wants. Uh, and they all go her direction, and I never picked up on that the first time around. But here it's, like, plainly obvious. But it's it's not a Mary Sue in an annoying way. She doesn't always win the fight, but she always makes the right decisions. And yet she's still an, an endearing character. I'm not sure how he pulled that off, but uh, I, I don't mind her behavior like that. It, it's interesting, though. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Mike's going to go into a synopsis and everything, but I, I I feel like I guess it depends on what you're definition of mary sue is right because i i get what you're saying right that she morally right like she yeah. she seems to be in good standing like her head screwed on right like she's she's in it for the right reasons like all that kind of stuff but i i kind of feel like that, that that doesn't mean she doesn't face obstacles that she can't overcome like especially at the end of this like what you know so there's well, there's there's that kind of aspect too. Like sometimes I think like if she was a real Mary Sue, like she'd get like the infinity gauntlet and blow away all the, the bad guys <laughs> and put Moonstone in jail and, you know, and everything would be fine by the end of this. Right. Like, but, but it's not, you know, obviously she's to, to a certain degree, she's powerless to affect certain outcomes. Right. So then, then I'm kind of like, Oh, well that, that to me is a little more uh, nuanced and realistic than, sure. than maybe what a, I don't know. In my head, like that, in my head, like a Mary Sue would would, uh, you know, not only would their head be screwed on right as far as, you know, morality, but they would also, you know, she would be at the top of the pile of bad guys, including Moonstone with her foot, you know, on top of her head going, haha, I am victorious over you all. And that doesn't always happen for for Jolt. No, that's fair. But I, like when, when we get into the recap, because, you know, we're like 30 minutes into the episode and haven't started the issue yet. I'm sorry. There, There is a spot <laughs> here where Jolt specifically like looks at Moonstone and she goes, hey, sh- her eyes are shifty. She's up to something. I figured that out. I'm like, how? what? How did you figure that out? Oh, because the plot wants you to. And you're the Mary Sue. So, I mean, but anyway. All right. So, I'll, so I'll what, shut what, up now. What, what, what happens in this issue, Mike? Yeah, why don't you tell us? All right, yeah, I wrote up a little synopsis for it because I couldn't. I mean, I probably could if I looked a little harder, find one online. But I'm as 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 usual. We don't trust the internet's grammar, so I These, wrote up my. The own internet synopsis. is atrocious. Yeah. Uh huh. You can't oh. steal anything anymore. <laughs> no, I know. I, it's it's a, it's a it's criminal that we can't steal a synopsis for ourselves, and we have to do our own work. But 
whatever. 14, with a cover date of May 1998, written by Kurt Busick, penciled by Mark Bagley, inks by Scott H Hanna, colors by Joe Rosas, letters by Richard Starkings and Liz Agrafiotis, and the story title is Casualties of War. The T-Bolts have been sentenced to death in the alien dimension of Cosmos. Awaiting execution in their cell, Jolt speaks with the sympathetic Jaquette, the son of the Cosmosian king. Moonstone soon returns from her secret meeting with the king's vizier. After Jolt sends Jaquette away, Moonstone takes the opportunity to clear the air between her and Jolt while readying her for both the plans she set in motion and their future on Earth. Soon, a rebellion against the Cosmosian leadership erupts outside, and the T-Bolts are quickly called into the royal presence. On advice from the vizier, the king asks the T-Bolts for aid against the rebels, and Moonstone quickly accepts for the group. Although Jolt notices that both her and the vizier are acting pretty sus, the T-Bolts add their power to the king's army and are soon pushing the rebels back. Jolt learns the gruesome realities of a battlefield while Atlas watches her back, and Mach 1 grows concerned with Songbird's increased depression. Moonstone has Mach 1 and Songbird accompany her back to the king's side, as per her secret pact with the Vizier. They will assassinate the king, and the Vizier will send them back to Earth. While Jolt and Atlas take out the leader of the rebellion, Moonstone and the others ambush the king and knock out the guards at his side. Moonstone tells Mach 1 to kill the king, but Abe Jenkins has perhaps played the part of a hero for too long and can't go through with it. Moonstone then casually kills the king herself, and soon the conflict is over. The Vizier becomes the new king, blaming the old king's death on the rebel leader, which Jolt knows to be alive. However, Moonstone tells her to shush it, and the Vizier soon leads them to a transporter back to Earth. They say their farewells, and once back on Earth, Jolt demands to know what Moonstone had done to secure their release. Moonstone assures Jolt that the, what the Vizier said about the King's death was the truth, and Mach 1 and Songbird uneasily back her story. Jolt is left to wonder if they really left Cosmos better than when they found it, but Moonstone tells her that they have their own problems to worry about on Earth. Meanwhile, in a secret hideout somewhere past the Mexican border, Techno oversees the recovery of one Baron Helmet Zemo, still healing from his injuries suffered at Moonstone's hands. Techno even offers to patch up Zemo's scarred face, but the Baron is insistent on leaving it be. As he steps from the nutrient bath and prepares to get dressed, Zemo declares it's time to plan revenge on his treacherous former underlings, the Thunderbolts. To be continued. Well, sort of. Dun, 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 dun. So yeah, that's Thunderbolts 14. And yeah, I bought this off the shelf. Like I, I was reading it regularly at this point. And um, this is the end of like the, the Cosmo, the Cosmos like sojourn, like two parter. And uh, it's, you know, this is like if the Cosmos like, you know, adventure was sort of an interlude. This is like the true start of like the newest of the, the next era of like the Thunderbolts. And so it's like a stepping off point, like, I guess. But but yeah, um. I don't know, Derek, like, I, I guess you're the one with the, like, you know, the, you, you, you were like, losing interest in the title at this point, as you tell it. So like, what, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I enjoyed the story for the most part. I think the, the standout moments are when Moonstone blows away that King, like it was nothing, you know, like there's that kind of moral dilemma that, that, you know, Abe and Melissa are having, even though they still sort of come along for the ride they're still sort of 
you know, trying to, to hang with the cool kids, I guess, if Moonstone is the cool kid, right? And and they're still kind of coming along for the ride to get themselves home and everything like that. But when they start having doubts about it, and she's just like, what are you waiting for? And, like, totally, like, aces that king. Like, it's just nothing. It's just, like, one of those things where you know... You know, it, it's it's a great moment because of how deliberate and, and abrupt it is. And so that's that's one of the standout moments of this issue. And then I guess getting to what me and Shag were talking about, I, I kind of felt bad for Jolt. Like, that's why I felt bad for Jolt and I felt even worse for Jiket, you know, like like at, at the end of that, because I'm like, does anything ever happen with poor Jaquette? Like, do we ever see his sorry ass ever again? And the answer to that is no. Like, oh, like wow. do you know what I mean? Like, like he doesn't, you know, there, there's no awesome comic where he writes the wrongs of this, where he leads a rebellion or whatever. I mean, you know, to be honest, the Cosmosians don't have like a whole hell of a lot of appearances after this, even though they do show up randomly here and there. And I think... I think Justin mentioned this last podcast or, or one of the podcasts we talked about it. And uh, it, it, like they have a very brief appearance in the new Kang ongoing series because that's just part of Kang's history. It's like I came in, I overtook these guys and I made them start making me growing men. I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. it's this inevitable future that they're they're going to have to deal with. But like I did feel really bad for for Jolt and Jaquette and, and that look they exchange as 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 she teleports away like this thing of like, you know, you're talking about she's a Mary Sue, but then it's like she can't do shit about that. Like they're they're just having this look where she knows you know, as you know, to me, I'm like, uh, it's making me crack up because because uh, Mike was like, oh, Jolt knows something sus is going on. And I'm like, oh, dude, her millennial sense is tingling because she knows like <laughs> not to trust anybody over the age of 20. Right. Like she's like she's like, that's how she knows. That's how she knows Moonstone's up to shit because 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 she's up to some sa- shady shit. Like everybody over 20 is bitter and angry and old and they're all plotting against me and all this shit right like she knows she knows what what's up right and 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 it sucks because she's she's looking at jaquette and she was trying to make friends with the guy and she wasn't you know that that's one of those moments too where moonstone and and jolt she's like oh you were working them right and she's like, what the, What are you talking about working him? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's how everything is to Moonstone. Just somebody to work, somebody to, to schmooze and schmaltz. And what can I get out of this person? And what can they do for me? Right. But Joel's not like that. Right. Like and that that I guess if, if you want to apply that to your, you know, Mary Sue mantra. Right. Like she's not she's not doing it to. Uh, uh, you know, just get something out of Jaquette. Like she's, she's, she was legitimately making friends with him, and now it's like she's giving a, a friend that look of, oh, I know your home life is going to be miserable, and your entire society is going to be miserable after I teleport away, and I feel really bad about it, but there's absolutely nothing I can do, and. That was one of those moments where I was like, I don't know that to, to me that that was a little heartbreaking. When, when you right? when you think about it, like logically, the the vizier probably arranged for Jaquette to be killed, yeah, because he's the heir, and then oh, probably yeah. spawned, spawned his own heirs or something, like yeah. you know. So yeah. he's the king. So yeah, that, that, that's right. what happened to him. 
that that kid's days are numbered. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. And, and that's and that's where I was going. For, well, first of all, you're, I'm surprised they didn't come back in a Kurt Busiek comic. So it really does seem like he's setting it up. I mean, Moonstone even says you told us how to contact you. So as if as if to say that the Thunderbolts could get in touch with them again later, which I don't know how the hell they do that. Uh, maybe they have a Cosmos phone, whatever. But um, the Mary Sue angle there was just that she sussed it out. She mm-hmm. figured out the truth. You know, even though mm-hmm. Moonstone did this, she didn't pull the wool over, you know, uh, her eye, over Jolt's right. eyes. And then earlier, too, there was also this moment where, like, Jolt's uh, – everyone's getting their butt kicked, and they say, Jolt, stay back. She's like, no, I'm a badass fighter. And she goes flipping out there and, and really kicks everybody's ass. So – but either way, uh, I wanted to go back to the Moonstone murder thing because I got to get my – you guys got your chance to say your bit on that. Holy crap. Like, it's not just the callousness of the murder, which is horrible. Absolutely, because she's not even looking at the dude. She's just like a sideways backwards. It's like she shoots him without even looking as if it's not worth her time. But she spends so much time trying to manipulate Songbird and Mach 1 into doing it for her. She's like trying to make them her puppet or make them as evil as her. That's, I mean, it's just so twisted upon, you know, layer upon layer. Well, and but, I love but, it for that. But but that, like, that's to her advantage, right? Because if somebody does walk in on them or if somebody does uncover it, she can just go, I didn't kill the king. Exactly. Like, like it was it was Mach 1. It was yep. Songbird. Like, they did it, you know? Like, I, I was just a hapless pawn. I felt really bad about it, but there wasn't anything I could do. You know, like, that's that's who she is. And that's what I love. I mean, that's what I, I love her character. It's like almost like a J.R. Ewing of the group kind of thing. And, and quick callback to your previous episode. You guys talked about her new costume. In addition to being easier to draw, I think her cost, new costume is also to make her hotter. It really mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. accentuates the right parts. Indeed, yes. I, I was going to say about the whole King thing. Did Songbird and Mach 1 keep this secret. It never comes up again, like ever. Like they, they it, like I, maybe, you know, this is part of the glue that held the thunderbolts together but like they never tell anyone what happened there like so and even though they're super uncomfortable with it like they 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 keep this secret so like that's that's pretty uh and technically they don't lie sorry i was interrupting i apologize technically they don't lie because the moonstone says you know she she tells the lie and she's like abe and melissa were with me the whole time and then all abe says is yes it is she was with us the whole time she they, yeah, doesn't no, say no. she didn't kill him. He just says we were yep. with her the whole time. So they didn't lie necessarily, but it was a lie of omission. Yeah. I, I remember like maybe 20 or 30 issues from now, there's a part where like Hawkeye, when Hawkeye's in charge of the team and he's kind he says, I think he says something like, you know, oh, none of my team are like, you know, my team are, you know, they've never killed anyone. My team are like, whatever, like they're, they're on the right path now. Like they've never murdered anyone or anything. And like, Mach 1 has like a thought bubble like don't think about cosmos don't think oh. about cosmos wow. like don't think about cosmos like but yeah that like aside from that that it never comes up again and i think that's maybe one of the reasons that the t-bolts managed to stay together like that that secret could have probably fractured them especially like jolt would not have like even if she suspects like jolt would not have like if she knew for sure she probably wouldn't have you know probably turned moonstone in at the earliest opportunity but mm-hmm. and and you know what else is a big secret is how baron zemo got his little back to tank in mexico at the end there and and i don't think it was a back to tank i think i think when he came out he would have been like Techno, what is this? This is not Bacta. I am not being healed. This is margarita juice. 
You have lied to me. (laughs) This did not heal my face. It's margarita juice. Yeah, so that's that's what I think about um, the end there. But no, no, I was I was I was into uh, I was happy to see uh, Baron Zemo again too. So, well, it really you mentioned it earlier, Mike, about how this sets up the you know the going forward, and it really does because Zemo and Techno are sort of the you know antagonists through the series for quite a while as as the bad guys. So it sets that up very nicely. It gives you a good introduction of where the story's going. Yeah, and I, I was joking with Derek earlier, like when uh, I like when Techno's like, "Oh, dude, like I could fix your face, you know, if you want." Like, and Zemo's like, "No, no, like I, I will keep the face. Like I will keep the bubblegum face." You know, I want my pain. I need my pain. <laughs> if, I, if I could do a German accent, I'd play along, but I can't. I love it. <laughs> hey, I was saying, like you know, if you fixed my face, you could put me, Steve Rogers, Clint Barton, and Hank Pym all in the same room, and you wouldn't know who was who. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's why I always hated when Hawkeye took his mask off. I'm like, blonde? What? No, he looks no. Keep the purple on. You look better with the mask. So uh, the the story here, it's overall the two issues. I mean, it's really convoluted, like the whole the two sides, the rebellion, what the hell are these humans doing involved in it? But I got to say, it's a real testament to to Busick and Bagley that even though they're all bugs and they're quite frankly, they look hard to tell apart, like the personalities, I can tell immediately who everyone is or what their recognizable traits are. Maybe it's because there's a little bit of uh, stereotyping going on, but who cares? You know, I immediately know which guys I'm rooting for, which ones I'm not. It, it all makes perfect sense. It was still engaging, even though it feels like a filler thing. And then, and Derek said something on, a, on the last episode, and, and I hate to give Derek credit for anything, but it, it was really insightful that they really needed these two issues Otherwise, when they got back to Earth, the team would have split up completely. Yeah. So having this, these two issues, forcing them to stay in a team, like it made perfect sense. Like I, I was seeing these as filler issues until you said that. I'm like, oh, damn, that makes a lot of sense. So the issues are really important, even though they feel like they're just, you know, k- killing time. Yeah, I think I think to answer Mike's question, I mean, I think I think that was lost on me probably in my early you know, read through of those issues, right? Like, I don't think that had dawned on me at the time. So, but that probably was something that contributed to me, you know, eventually kind of losing track of this title or whatever. But, but I, I think for these two, you know, this two parter or whatever, like it is pretty essential that they have to, they have to go through this off of off planet or whatever. I mean, like the Cosmosians, like, I, I don't know if we want to talk about them for a little bit, but like, the the thing that stood out to me this time was especially with uh, I guess the the historical issue that we're gonna talk about in the second half like the, there's those different types of Cosmosians and the the main Cosmosian they focus on in this to me I'm I'm kind of like oh like they they kind of remind me more of you know like the what the Barsoom you know Martians you know the John Carter stuff like that as opposed to you know I guess the the Cosmosians that first appear in in silver age marvel and stuff so like that i just kind of took notice of as far as i don't know just just appearances and stuff and i thought that was interesting because i think they wanted to not have everybody look like you know java blobs or whatever you know what i mean like they they wanted to have some guys that could you know have uh you know uh appendages and shit like that right (laughs) like so 
Well, yeah, the one in the Silver Age comic we're going to talk about was very formless. And yeah. and the only connection is they say it produces the same acid that ants create. So that's right. enough to say, okay, they're insectoid. Now, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there were a few more Cosmos issues in here somewhere. So I'm not sure where it was established that they look like bug from Micronauts. But somewhere in there... You know, they someone must have seen that as a as a through path. Say, okay, let's make them insects. And yeah, I like that. There's a whole variety of different insects. I mean, they're they yeah. all look different, which is I, I mean, that's a lot on Bagley too to have to design all these different looks. Yeah, the art the art's good in this issue for sure. I still I'm a little unclear on how it all connects with pim particles. Like I guess pim particles come from yeah. You know, I don't even care that much. But I, I did like how they use the pim particles in their spears. Like they stab someone with a spear. And then the oh. pin particles enlarge the spearhead inside yeah. the person. Like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Jolt kind of gets a dose of reality when she sees, like, the, you know, of of, of a, being a, like in the middle of a war or something. So I think that's a nice moment. Like, her and Atlas are kind of growing their big brother, little sister relationship. So, like, you know, he's uh, watching her back in a war zone. Mm hmm. And then you've got the other, the other, um, you've got, you've got the other, like, uh, running plot line of, like, you know, Songbird kind of regressing to her, like, screaming Mimi sort of ways and uh, Mach 1 being concerned about that. And, uh, you know, like, 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 like you said, I was always, you know, shipping them, I guess, back in the day. So, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I, I was always like, oh, no, like, what's. Is she gonna like dump him or something? Like poor, like poor, poor beetle. Like he can't catch a break. Like you know. <laughs> well, and then once she showed up in uh, Avengers Forever, was it was it in Avengers Forever where they revealed that you know obviously they revealed she's an Avenger in the future, but is that where they revealed her and Captain Marvel had a relationship? Yeah, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. that's like heartbreaking. There, she's like, no, Mark, what, no. So that was well, that was you know in, in in me on my soapbox or whatever I wouldn't I wouldn't feel too bad about that because it's like there was what like like one issue where Captain Marvel showed up in that Busick Avengers run and then I think he was shortly off the book after that and then they never they they, they never really touched that until like New Thunderbolts where they had Janice Fell show up again in that but even that like I I don't think they ever really realize that relationship yeah. outside of avengers forever so yeah it was always yeah. a it, it was always like a that'll happen in the future kind of thing and they just and and it never did right well music wasn't writing anymore so like right. I mean, he, he's famous for you know talking about things that'll happen in the future and knowing like with where, what, where i'm trying to get as one of my favorite moments is when he's talking about triathlon and try he had triathlon say look i i know the deal in five years no one's going to remember i was an avenger and i'm like yeah you're right <laughs> and it was kind of like that with Songbird and you know it's Captain Marvel. Like, okay, someday no one's gonna write that story. So, so I, I got a question about Jolt, dude. It, I, okay. Just before we move on, I'm like, dude, I'm all about trashing triathlon. He's like one of my I, least I, favorite I, Avengers. I, I think we're all we're all on the same page. Like, no, I, yeah. I actually have nothing against him at all. He oh, just okay. was never that interesting was the problem. Like, there's nothing wrong with the character. It's just no one did anything with him. So that's my take on it. But I mean, the only the only good thing I ever read was when they did that 3D man thing during, um, what was it, Skrull Invasion or whatever the hell that was called? It was called. one of the secret, was, yeah, when he became part of the Skull Kill crew. Yeah, that yeah, was probably like that, the most that, interesting That was, that that was the most interesting was, thing yeah. that, that I ever read with him in it, I think. Well, his costume was based on 3D Man the whole time, so. Yeah, yeah. 
So I got a question about Jolt. It's not specific to this issue, but just Jolt in general. Her word balloons always have like the electric zigzag on it. So are we supposed to assume like her voice sounds like buzzing or electric or something like that? Oh, maybe. Like I never thought about that before, but yeah, I did notice that though. Like, yeah. Well, I noticed it really very much in this reread because I, you know, I blasted through 15 issues in one setting and it's like, oh, her, her, like, you know, Abe's the same way when he's got the helmet on. So mm. it's like, it makes it sound like her voice is, must sound weird. I've just, I, I never thought about that until this read. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the electric exuberance of youth. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I, I, I honestly never thought about it, but I'm I'm seeing what you're saying. I'm like, oh yeah, like like Makwan and her have the zigzaggy word balloons. So yeah. I'm so glad after six years of doing this podcast, you guys finally realized this. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never thought about it that way. That's cool. And then the best line of the issue is when Songbird refers to the Cosmosians as Starship Trooper rejects. That's the best moment right there. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if she saw the movie or actually read the books. I'm, 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 I, I, I'm leaning towards she just saw the movie, but you know, I, I'm leaning towards she just saw the commercials for the movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was a fun issue. Not my first, Liar! but apparently my second, because I guess I would have went and picked that up. I just don't remember reading it at all. Like, I'm reading this going, and that's the weird thing too. Is I would have read just part two. Like, I guess it wasn't engaging enough for me to go back and get the. Issue, what, 12 or 13, whatever, the one before it. But, it, I mean, it makes a great story, though. I mean, again, it's once you realize the purpose of this two-parter to make them into a team, it really works. Yeah. Like, like I think we, you know, I, I, I like, it, these have never been, like, super memorable issues for the story for me. Like, they were just memorable because they were, you know, among the first Thunderbolts issues I ever bought. Like, so, like... Uh, and like was on like you know i bought them like the day of release and stuff like i i had just about caught up to the series by this point so like yeah but i mean yeah like rereading them like you know years and years later like i appreciate you know busick's world building like what he's you know setting up between the team and even if we explore cosmos again like i mean this any anyone who wants to use cosmos again should probably like you know to to see like how the you know how it uh the dynamics of how the planet works and whatever but you know that, that maybe i'm talking crazy like new writers today they don't need to do research they can just make up shit <laughs> i mean it was it was in that kang thing for like a, a partially for one kind of double page spread as they were going through kang's history or whatever so they didn't they didn't completely you know, abandoned it or whatever. But, you know, I, I can't say there was a whole hell of a lot of comics that dealt with the Cosmosians after this, at least not to this level of of detail and, and you know, that, that they were such a main part of a storyline. Well, at this point, you know, it's been 23 years or whatever since this yeah. issue came out. So it's like, how beholden should you be to what felt like a, a fill-in issue at the time anyway? Right, right, it's like, right. nah. Instead, just follow the broad, the you know the the broad brushstrokes and say, okay, yeah, Songbird and and uh, Mach One were on the team, and they you know tried to do the right thing, and Moonstone was a bitch. All right, that's what we need to know. Yeah, 
I do like we talked about it a little, but I do appreciate like Moonstone's whole like discussions with Jolt and stuff. And like, you know, that's how good like of a manipulator Moonstone is because Jolt knows she's being played. But what Moonstone tells her is so logical and like airtight that she can't really like say anything like, you know, other than being like teenage grumpy about it like like for the moment like she knows like moonstone's a snake but what moonstone is saying still makes sense so like she can't really like fight against that at the moment she just can only like keep her eyes open and like she knows like something went down and she can't she can't figure out what so so like i you know i appreciate that it's it's i think it's it's hard to write characters that are that clever and kurt busick always manages it so and everyone's very distinct too which is nice i mean every character feels unique you know each one's personality and that's not something you can say on a lot of comic books you know it's you don't know the characters but here i feel like i know each one of their personalities individually which is is pretty impressive yeah yeah and moonstones is definitely one you don't forget absolutely so, okay, you want to, we'll take a little break and then we'll come back with the historical portion of the show. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M.D. Mateus. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter Batman Doctor Fate Black Canary Fire Ice Maxwell Lord Oberon Captain Marvel Rocket Red Captain Atom Mr. Miracle Guy Gardner Booster Gold Blue Beetle Nort And many, many more. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? The Justice League wouldn't help him, so Batman formed a new team. These people of power are all looking for something, be it their past, or a purpose, or simply somewhere to fit in. These are the heroes for a troubled age. They are the Outsiders. We are the Outsiders! Oh, we are the Outsiders! Covering Mike W. Barr's 1983 series from the very beginning, as they face villains no other team can, like Agent Orange, The Force of July, and the Nuclear Family. <laughs> Puns. This is The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us with The Huntress Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehuntresspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. We are The Outcasters, because to live outside the law, you must be honest.
Dr. Fate. Dr. Midnight. Starman. Johnny Quick. Wildcat. Power Girl. All-Star Squadron. Firebrand. Amazing Man. Huntress. Cyclone. Sandman. Mr. Terrific. Star Commander Steel. Seven Soldiers of Liberty. Infinity Incorporated. Those are just some of the celebrated and beloved heroes associated with Earth 2 and the Justice Society of America. These daring mystery men and women banded together in 1940 to form the first super team in comics. They inspired a decades-long legacy of heroes who would follow in their footsteps. And now they've inspired us to launch a new podcast. Justice Society presents a new anthology on the Firewire Podcast Network featuring a variety of themed shows with different hosts celebrating some of their favorite comics and characters associated with the golden age of comics, Earth 2, the JSA, and beyond. We'll launch this new series with an ongoing show called Justice Society Presents Crisis, in which Rob and Shag go through each of the classic team-ups between the Justice League and the Justice Society. Then joining the podcast feed will be the Starman Chronicles. Chris and Cindy continue their coverage of James Robinson's epic series from beginning to end. Later in the year, Ryan Daly and Max Romero will tackle the Vertigo title, Sandman Mystery Theater. And two years later, Ryan will cancel it. That's probably... Then in the coming months and years, we'll be adding further ongoing shows and one-off specials celebrating other beloved characters and comics related to the JSA of any era, from the 1940s to today. Join the fight for justice and subscribe to Justice Society Presents on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back, and uh, I hope you enjoyed that trailer for something I'm sure that was totally unrelated to our guest. But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, Derek, why don't you uh, go into like our historical issue for this uh, episode? Yeah, so I brought the historical issue. It is the the first story in Tales to Astonish, issue 44. The cover date is June 1963, but the on-sale date was March 5th, 1963. The cover price was a whopping 12 cents. The editor was Stan Lee. The plotter was Stan Lee. The script was by Ernest Hart. Penciler was Jack Kirby. Inker, Don Heck. Letterer, Artie Simic. And the title, as on the cover, is The Creature from Cosmos. So that's pretty much the, the main Thunderbolts tie-in here. And again, everything on the internet is places. And I smushed it all together and tried to make it a, a very short and sweet synopsis for this rather arduous Silver Age Marvel story that Shag is browbeating me about. So, here we go. <laughs> when fellow scientist Vernon Van Dyne is killed by an alien being the titular, the creature from Cosmos, Ant-Man enlists the help of the dead man's daughter. Revealing his true identity as Henry Pym, Ant-Man invites Janet Van Dyne to become his new partner, the Wasp. Now, able to shrink with pin particles and fly on tiny wasp wings alongside Ant-Man, the duo uncover the alien's acidic nature and destroy it, saving the city. Yay! And that is the, the short and sweet synopsis of the creature from Cosmos. It is actually the first appearance of Janet Van Dyne and the Wasp. And there's there's plenty of backstory here and, and the arduous stuff that I kind of skipped over. But you know what I will say? 
I will say this, like I, I've got my own notes and I'll, I'll go into them real quick. And then, and then Chad can browbeat me about the, making him read this. But my notes are, I don't want to hear anybody's shit about DC continuity. Cause this, the opening of this issue gives Ant-Man's origin, which completely retcons his origin from Tales to Astonish 27. Cause he was just some asshole who wanted to have a contract with the government and he accidentally shrunk himself and everybody knows the story. And, and then, you know, he's running around with the fucking ants and then the ant like takes him back up to the window and then he's fine. Right. And then later they brought him back as a superhero. But in this, it's like his, his gray haired, the Eastern European wife gets murdered and he swears vengeance and becomes the avenging Ant-Man or whatever the fuck. And I'm like, I guess those both those stories could happen, but I, I kind of feel like they couldn't, or at least the, the, the motivations in one are completely different from the motivations in the other. So, you know, Marvel was retconning shit way back when, too. So F you guys like. <laughs> That, that's my first note. The, the, the second one, which is what I wanted to focus on, was basically the, the Cosmosian aspect, the historical aspect, right? And in, this, the, in the Thunderbolts two-parter, there is a very, very, very brief appearance of the original type of Cosmos creature from this Silver Age issue, and they refer to the type that appears in this Ant-Man story as the creature cast. So they have their cast structure, right? Like, you know, and, and I guess there's the cast that look like, you know, bug from the Micronauts, right? But this cast, the kind of uh, sluggish Jabba looking one or whatever is referred to as the creature cast. And kind of like I was saying before, the other ones kind of look more like, I don't know, Barsoom and, and John Carter Martians and stuff like that. And, of course, as far as the, the plot stuff, I mean, I'm sure Shag's going to browbeat me about this enough, but my, my one note is I, I've got Mike, of course, in my head, and I've got Paul Spataro in my head, and I've got others in my head, probably Shag in a few minutes, wondering, dude, why don't you just take the fucking shotgun at normal size to the fucking creature with the antidote and just fucking shoot it? Like, why, why do you got to shrink and have 10 million fucking ants carry this fucking shotgun? I don't understand. But anyway. Okay, going uh, beyond that, though, too, yeah. like everywhere he goes over town, he goes in small form. <laughs> why don't you just take a fucking taxi in full size and then shrink? Yeah, the shotgun was absolutely on my list of what is happening here? <laughs> Why are we spending three pages with ants carrying a shotgun all the way across town when the normal human-sized guy could do it in five minutes? Yeah, okay. I got a little rage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I understand. I understand. This is not... This is, uh, you know, not not the uh, smoothest of, of Silver Age Marvel my, stories. I kept my, I kept going back. I thought... I thought... I thought his... His wife Maria, for some reason, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, was her hair gray in that reimagining, or did they, did they make her a little younger? I don't think so. I mean, because I, I kept, like his, I kept, his age I kept, or younger. So. I kept looking at this, like the the digital, you know, Marvel Unlimited whatever version, and I was like, did they get the color of that wrong? And then I went and looked at like a scan where it was like the, you know, the, the, the sixties version of this. And I'm like, Nope, it's gray in there too. And I was like, Oh man, like, I don't know. I don't even know what to make of that, but, but I was just kind of like that, that cracked me up too, which I thought was weird. 
Maybe it's just supposed to be like a you know black hair, but they 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 didn't want to lose all the lines. I, don't, I guess maybe I I don't know. I guess Superman Blue Black had been invented by now. They could have done that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my main note for this is like cosmos creature you know what he reminds me of like the friggin like troll face from the internet you know like you know <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like that's what he reminded me of. It's like dude poor poor dr van dyne professor van dyne got trolled by the internet troll he got trolled and he got, uh... he's like oh no he's he's expositioning me to death like yeah, <laughs> like well, the whole idea here is you can't look at it. That's what kills you. So it's almost like if you look at the meme, that's what kills you. So, I guess I guess that's why I guess that's why there's not a lot of those creature cast in the the Busick issues. There's only that, that one guy on the podium. Because can you imagine if there were like fifty billion of those guys and all they had to do was look at people and then they died? Like, wouldn't wouldn't everything be over rather quickly? They'd just be like. I want to usurp uh, the, the, the king. Quick, look at that king. All right, it's done. I'm in charge now, you know? And this one did say he was the greatest criminal. So, yeah, I mean, you'd yeah. think he'd be on the side of the rebellion. But oh, right, well. right, right. So the, the, the creature stuff is fine. You know, the stuff where you, you get the alien that comes from another planet. Now, they still don't tie it to pin particles in this, but they do tie it to the ants and saying, you know, the same acids. It's so weird. They they tie it to gamma rays in this, because if you if you listen to uh, uh, Van Dyne's, you know, do- doctor, professor, whatever Van Dyne's dialogue, he actually says, because because I, I guess we can I, I can kick it off for you, Shaq. So so the professor comes in with his daughter and is like, hey, uh, Henry his hot, Pym, his hot daughter, his hot daughter, who who is a child, by the way, um, his hot daughter, um, and and comes in and is like, hey, uh, I heard you're like a pretty happening scientist, Henry Pym. Can you can you look at some of my investigative work? I think I think I'm onto something, but I think it might be dangerous or whatever, right? And even even then, like it's not it's not just. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna go into the thing about you know. Uh, uh, he ignores Janet because she's she's a a silly child or a, a silly woman or you know what whatever the uh, stereotypical you know the, this kind of outmoded way of thinking that is presented in this comic right but Kim kind of ignores the the learned old scientist too and it's just like yeah we we don't really have the same kind of science um why don't you uh step off there buddy because i don't i don't i don't deal with your science you know like he totally he like tells him to take a take a hike and i'm just like dude was coming to you for help and you like blow him off in like a page you know he literally turns his back and starts fiddling with something like it's it's the biggest put off as if to say like you know you're saying a bunch of stuff and i'm not even listening and the guy's <laughs> totally like uh i get it doctor right. i'm afraid i can't be of help to you my field is molecular cell transition and cell specialization it's like oh well i see you are not interested i understand <laughs> oh well it was a pleasure meeting you and then he leaves like and i'm just like dude he was a, he, i'm like he was a dick to to uh the 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 dad you know like i mean i guess i guess they're trying to play it off that they had some kind of connection in thought bubbles early on and that they're both like distracted and he's trying to i don't know uh he's trying to to fight these these feelings of attraction in front of the father but i i don't know it just it's a goofy story i get it i get why you're mad that that i made you read this (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I like I was really excited at first. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the first appearance of the Wasp. You know, certainly I've heard various versions of how she got her powers, but I've never actually read it. Uh, now I know why they don't ever reference this story because it's not good. It is <laughs> it is a bad bad story. Besides hey, all these. He, Go ahead. He, hey, what? He's attracted to a teenager who looks like his dead wife and then lures her to his house and his and, and he greets her in his bathrobe. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I think she's like 19. I don't think she's actually a child. He <laughs> says she's not much more than yeah. a child. Uh-huh. So I think she's probably like 19. But yeah, then he puts her in this like uh, pretty hot, sexy yellow number and then puts a, you know, does some weird operation on her. But like both he and her are just complete shits in this thing. Like he is totally dismissive and rude to her. And then she is just so like dippy and immediately I love you. Like what? Both of you are just idiots. Uh, and, and then, you know, he's like, Hey, I can give you all kinds of powers. Let me inject you with something which will change your biochemistry forever. And she's like, okay, it's cool. It tickles. You know, it's like, well, oh my God, really? Seriously? You're letting this man, the stranger do this to you. It's, uh, I, there's a lot of weird. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt the 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 bashing or anything. But but there there is one thing I will mention is there's there's I think it's like page ten right and it's the second panel. This is like the the inkling of the the wasp the Janet Van Dyne that would become the leader of the Avengers. Where she says, "I loved my father. He was the finest man on earth. I never showed him how much I loved him. I thought." I wasn't sophisticated. Now I'll never have the chance, but there is one thing I can do. Avenge him. And and this, you know, I don't know, impresses, you know, Ant-Man or or what have you, right? But that moment, I, I feel like if you were going to attribute some kind of rationale to getting yourself injected with something that would change your, your you know, cellular structure, right? Like that moment is her saying, I'm going to avenge my father no matter what it takes. So, like, if it wasn't a cellular thing that gave her wasp wings, like, she would have become an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or she would have, you know, I don't know, learned from fucking Silver Sable how to, like, be a mercenary or, you know, whatever she would have ended up doing. She would have done something that would have caused her some sense of sacrifice to accomplish that that vengeance. And so, like, that, I thought, was kind of cool. But back to the the regularly scheduled this is Silver Age kook um, stuff is is, you know, I think we should talk about the the three panel extravaganza of, yes, this is Henry Pym. What? Your father's dead. Oh, come now. And then he hangs up on her like what? <laughs> and, <laughs> the then, human and then being and then, behaves like and then that. and then two panels later, what Van Dyne killed? Then she wasn't making it up. It's true because he like, heard it on the news. Yeah. like. I think like when we last talked about like we talked about the uh, the Avengers origin one shot that retells this story in a more modern context on a previous show like years and years ago. And I think, yeah, like (laughs) I think it was Tony who was like, like what (laughs) that male newscaster said that Professor Van Dyne is murdered. Well, it must be true then. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like. The panel you called out about Janet is great. Yes, that is very much the like the panel you would want to capture nowadays and say that, you know, she had this fighting spirit in 1963. 
Right. Whatever you do, don't look at the rest of this comic, though. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's it that's totally super destroys true. Super true. what yeah, we built like, up here. That 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 one shot that I just referenced, like the the modern retelling, like I think it improves a great deal on many of the things we're making fun of, like you know, for this story, like you know, it's not like you know, Hank Hank and Jan act more like you know human beings and not like you know weirdo weirdo <laughs> weirdo shits, like. But also, I, it's I, interesting, like. Oh, good. No, no, you please. Okay, well, I was going to say, it's interesting, like, Hank's wife, or, like, you know, dead ex-wife, like, I mean, she she gets kidnapped here by, you know, the Russians and then, like, apparently murdered, but she actually comes back in West Coast Avengers, like, and she's, like, it's it's kind of a sad story where, like, she's, like, been reduced to some, like, like almost like a brain in a jar or something, and, like, she's, like, in, she's running this, I forgot what, I haven't read it in years, but she was, like, running this, like, computer or something, and, like, Hank has to, like, put her out of her misery, and it's all very depressing and shit, but, but, like, in, in the modern retelling in that one shot, like, the Avengers origin one shot, like, she just gets kind of, like, drive-by shot, like, and dies, like, right in his arms and stuff, so there's not much room for her to come back like you know to life but at least in in this in this uh original version like i mean she gets taken away and you never see her again so you could technically like you know you could say that oh you know a bunch of stuff happened to her off screen and i mean they've retconned like a bunch of stuff has happened to her off screen like not only did she come she's still alive and she came back but she also was pregnant with hank's daughter and that's like the current wasp in the comics now, like Nadia, like is Hank and Maria's daughter. So I was wondering about that. Like I, I was thinking that the wa the new wasp was his daughter, but then I thought, wait, no, maybe she's from Jan. I couldn't remember, but okay, that makes it so Maria was the mother. That's interesting. All right. Yeah, and like like Nadia was raised like they once you know they took her from her mother and then raised her in like the red room or whatever. So like that's Nadia's like backstory, but. You know, I, I, I it's kind of sad that like not Nadia was introduced like after like, you know, Hank Pym's currently dead, like in the comics, like, you know, he merged with Ultron and then they like his soul got like absorbed by like some infinity stone or something. So like, you know, Hank's currently DOA in the current Marvel, which I think is a shame because I think, you know, he has he's a classic character with a lot of story potential, but. You know, at least not and like Nadia has never even like met him, I guess. So, like, you know, it, it would be nice, like sometime in the future that they could meet or something. But brace yourself. He will probably come back to life at some point. I know it's yeah, shocking. I know. Shocking. It makes right? no yeah. sense. You know, actually, last time I was really paying attention, Janet was dead and he was going on and her name is the wasp or something or yellow jacket or some such yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was During that. secret mighty, invasion or whatever it was. Mighty Avengers. Yeah. yeah. Mighty Avengers. That was it. Yep. For, for my money, you know, I do love some silver age Marvel, but I, I find that my passion for Marvel starts around 1968 or so. Like when Roy Thomas and the, the second wave of people start working there, that's about when like I start really engaging with silver age Marvel. So the earlier stuff, unfortunately I try the, the digest a couple years ago really is what hit it home for me. I read a lot of those digests and I'm like, some of these stories aren't good. And be like, oh, wait, this is starting, oh, 1968. This is about the point where I'm enjoying X-Men, where I'm enjoying Avengers, where I'm enjoying all these various books. So that's that's just my uh, my my personal mac and cheese, you know, my, my comfort food spot with Marvel Silver Age. 
I think I think it depends too because you know I I, I you know unfortunately I and I I don't think I don't think even the most exuberant comic fan is is gonna gonna take issue with me saying this but I mean if you love Silver Age Marvel comics if you love the Marvel comics from the 60s right I mean let's be honest you're gonna you're gonna love the 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 Kirby and Lee stuff you know what I mean like it's like I I love those early Avengers you know and I I I really like you know OG X-Men and and things like that the Fantastic Four like I like all that stuff but it's like this is is one of the it's one of those things where you know I I, I don't know if it, I think it was any of the titles that did not have the lead character as the title of the comic were always my blind spot. But even, even discounting that, you know, tales of suspense had some cool Kirby, you know, cap stuff in it. Right. But this, it's like one of those things where it's like some of it has historical relevance, but it's certainly, I always feel like this is like, you know, the, the redheaded stepchild, you know, the afterthought, like, like they, they had a guy, he joined the Avengers and then they kept telling these stories. And then I, I think Stan Lee was like a hopeless optimist about it. And I guess maybe, you know, seeing the Ant-Man movie, maybe he wasn't hopeless in the end, right? That's how they want to spin the whole thing. But like, I mean, he was just always like, oh, well, if you just, if you just make more pencil sharpeners when he's small, if you draw a matchbook, you know, like <laughs> it'll be great. Like it'll be great. And I'm just kind of like, I see everything he's talking about in this issue and it doesn't make it great. There's, there's the, the pencil sharpener when he's small, there's like the, the, I'm, I'm trying to, there, there's a bunch of like stupid examples that show you like, Oh look, there's the phone dial when he's small, you know, there's, uh, I'm, I'm, there's, uh, what else is it like the 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 he he launches himself out of like what the the little catapult or whatever that's kind of gun shaped you know like they he's he's right next to the pipe it's a mission for ant man and he's right next to the pipe and that's everything that stanley was like they they should draw more matchbooks and the artists they didn't get it you know and i'm just like no this is just i don't know it's just not as engaging as some of the other stuff and I, I i don't know that i'd necessarily throw you know i mean i know i know what you're saying you're saying that certain eras are your sweet spot and everybody has those eras that are their sweet spot that may not necessarily be you know golden or silver age comics but even even within those parameters you could probably find your sweet spot it just unfortunately i i don't think ant-man is anyone's Silver Age Marvel sweet spot, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I mean, I'm just going to say it, right? I love the character. It just, my love comes from other eras. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I feel like Stan Lee was kind of, not having read a lot of these, it feels like he's trying to use the Ant-Man setting as a bit of a monster book because the ants are interesting and they're like, they get to draw monsters every issue essentially because they're, mm -hmm. you know, bigger than a human, which makes a fun kind of monster aspect of the story. And then you get the monster of Cosmos. But yeah, and I don't know whether, because I mean, you mentioned you love the Kirby and Lee. Well, technically this is Kirby and Lee, but you do have the scripter in there, you know, who, uh, Huntley and an inker, Don Heck, which may have, you know, maybe some of the energy wasn't there, or maybe they're pouring yeah, their heart yeah. and souls into Fantastic Four this month, and this was just to get another book on the stands. Yeah, but I mean, you, you could argue, depending on who's inking what and all this other stuff, like, it's just, I don't know, there, there's something about this that's just not not the same, right? Like, so...
but it helps inform our reading of the Thunderbolts, and that's what we're really here for. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And we're, and, we're and troll face cosmos guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then and then just to just to end it on, you know, you know when 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 uh, Hank Pym like tells Janet like to f off when she calls, you know, because he doesn't believe the story about her dead father, like. On that third panel, when he's wearing that apparatus, does does he not look like uh, uh, Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters or some shit with all that crap <laughs> on his head? He does. Like, I'm he like, does. what the fuck is that? <laughs> or Doc Brown with the colander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Hank. And then, you know, all right, so you get to the end. And this, you know, super sexy girl that he's already acknowledged is like looks just like his wife. And he's, you know. We we can never be anything but friends, you know. And it's just like uh, pushing her away and foolish man, foolish man. He says it's not proper, Shag. He says it's not proper. It wouldn't be proper. Here, Except, <laughs> let let me inject you with something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what would be proper is me thinking everything you tell me is a story and hanging up on you. And then, like, here, put on this creepy yellow S&M outfit while I inject you, too. So, yeah. Okay, Hank. You, Hank, everyone's got his quirks, I guess. What, what would be proper is having an army of ants ship this fucking shotgun halfway across the city. <laughs> That's like, like when he has her over, like, he's, like, wearing his bathrobe because he wants to hide his Ant-Man costume. But he's like, you know, it, it wouldn't be proper, Jan. Now let me undo my bathrobe like, so I can show you what's underneath. Like, let me show you something, little girl. <laughs> oh no uh. i also like i i mean i i guess you know it's just you know a a a a sign of like you know the times or whatever but like even even like hank pym's like you know retconned origin story it's like you know oh like him and his wife are like tra la 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 like we're so happy it's so wonderful to be in your wonderful wonderful country hank like come my wonderful husband let's go back to that like you know that uh communist regime that i escaped from nothing will happen because everything is so wonderful like you know <laughs> oh my god i've been shot yeah <laughs> Honey, are you sure we should go back to this country? It'll be fine. I've got a new name. They'll never know. Play on. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I guess they did figure it out, sweetie. Uh, oh, no. It's like you got to make it super obvious. It reminds me of friggin' like... Either of you ever see that episode of... um, What is it? Oh, uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Where okay. um, his... Like, their neighbor, like, hates them. And, like, they eventually drive, like, their neighbor insane with, like, rage. And he, like, takes them all hostage and stuff. But it's, like, it's all from his, like, their like this episode is all from the neighbor's perspective. So, like, you know, the professor in Powerpuff Girls, like, he comes home from work. And the professor's just, like, trimming his hedges or whatever. And he's just like, hey, neighbor, I'm just thankful my life is perfect. In fact, I think I'll sing the My Life is Perfect song. Like, my life is so perfect. And he's, like, singing. And the neighbor's, like, getting madder and madder and stuff. That's, like, what I felt like. Like, when I... Like when I'm reading, like that, like you know, him hanging mean, his like first wife, like it's there, so there, wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Like there, there certainly is some shared DNA with uh, Professor, what is it, Puff and stuff, or whatever the fuck right. his name is, and and, yeah. and 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 like Reed Richards and Hank Pym and Doctor Impossible and all those guys that like you know they're they're super smart, but but as far as social graces and having their heads in the clouds and all that stuff, it's it's definitely true and. 
usually is ripe for uh, humor and amusement, right? Well, it's sort of like nerds who read comics. You know, it's like they don't have the social skills, but they tend to be intelligent. And uh, that's, you know, maybe we're not scientist level, but we've got the same quirks and uh, foibles as, a, as the scientists. I'm like, don't you dare compare me to Big Bang lunatics or whatever. I hate that show. I despise yeah. that show. Uh-huh. You know what yeah. I, I really hate is, like, you know, my aunt will, like, say, like, oh, do you watch the Big Bang Theory? Like, you'd love that show. It's mm-hmm. all, like, nerdy shit. And I'm like, no, no, auntie, listen to me. It's not nerdy shit. It's they're making fun of the stereotypical like version of nerds that, like, everyone thinks is funny. Like, their references, like, they're saying, wow, I gotta run as fast as the Flash. Ha ha like that's not a joke like that's that's not funny like but they're you know normies think it's funny basically in in an era of really heightened social awareness where every group is like protected and not allowed to be picked on we're still allowed to be picked on (laughs) yeah that's a bunch of bullshit yeah i'm like i've got to hang up on this girl like hank pym Hung up on Janet Van Dyne when she called up saying her dad was dead. Exactly. I, I think I've heard that joke before. Hiya, neighbor. Just trimming the hedges and feeling great. My life's going perfect. Just perfect. Oh, I think I'll sing the My Life is Perfect song. My life is so perfect. Oh gosh! All right, can we stop talking and beating up this horrible? Uh, yes. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just despite, absolutely. Despite, <laughs> all this stuff is super fun to make fun of and everything, but yeah, I do enjoy reading it. Like you know, just you know, and seeing you know all the connections that like you know will come later and stuff. So I mean, there's that, but but yeah, uh, so yeah, this I guess this is the end of the show. Like so, like like Shag, thank you, thank you for being on, yeah, and yes, thanks, we'll man. we'll have you on again definitely, like for the next episode if you want. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I would love to do that if I, you know, you'll have to deal with me telling the story again about how that's my first issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to, we'll, we'll, we'll labori like a Silver Age comic, we will laboriously like retell the origin like of your, what do you call, and like oh flashbacks and stuff. Yes. When Derek calls me with some horrible sad news, I'm just going to say, shut up. That's not true. You're just being silly. And then I'll wait to hear it on the news. Like, what? California burned down? Oh, my God. Derek was telling the truth. Because <laughs> that, probably... white, that white male announcer told me so. I mean, like, Shag, Shag, we need you on the podcast. Like, let us inject you with these fan holes cells that will let you be a fan hole. Only if you put me in a yellow S&M outfit first. <laughs> That poor child, it wouldn't be proper. <laughs> so, so where where else where else can people find your your witticisms and, and, and wilings on the on the interwebs, Shag? Uh, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. But yes, you can find me normally on the Firewater Podcast Network. I do several shows over there, including the Justice League International Blah Ha Ha Podcast, uh, the Justice Society Presents. Uh, Aquaman and Firestorm, Who's Who, Digest Cast, a number of different places. But if you go over to the Fire and Water Podcast Network, you'll find me there with the other lunatics. Yeah. All right. Well, let me just say for us, if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, because you know 
you know you have lots of concerns. You can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. But you know what? We'll just be like, silly, silly emailers. We don't want to listen to you anyway. Um, and we'll just hang up on you until, like, the news tells us whatever it was you're trying to email us about. And you can also find the backlog of Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to the Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you, Derek. So this is Mike uh, signing off. Uh... This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm, I'm not going to sign off. You sign off. And I'm going to go back to Earth and hope that I can stop committing crimes. A futile number. I was lightning before the thunder. Shag blew away some royalty before he appeared on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just backhandedly. Barely no, even looked at him. No, no, dog. It was the other guy. It was the other guy. <laughs> right. I was with you guys the whole time, right? Uh, yes, no, dog. yes, Sorry. yes, he was. Yes, he was.